Well, jealousy, jealousy is, is not good news, is it? It's kind of bad news. If you've ever kind of been in, in a relationship where someone has been jealous of you, I think you understand what I'm trying to say. You know, people that are out to get you, they don't like you because of who you are. And jealousy is, is one of those things that if we're not careful, can, can really ruin our life. Now, last week we learned that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar in the story of Daniel is now dead. Uh, we learned that his grandson Belshazzar had taken over the kingdom. And after just two years, because Belshazzar was a, was a party boy, he kind of blew it. Uh, he was killed by the Medes and the Persians when they came in and took over Babylon. So now Darius the Mede is, is king. And uh, Darius is like all the other kings that we've seen. Um, he really likes Daniel. And there's something about Daniel's character. There's something about uh, Daniel's abilities. Remember, he can, he can um, foresee dreams and he can interpret those and he helps him to understand uh, what, it, what it is to lead. Um, and Daniel is seen in favor as king Dari- with King Darius. And Darius, like the other kings before him, has elevated Daniel to a high level in his administration. In fact, um, Daniel is like, I think, um, number three in command at this particular time that we see here. Um, but Daniel is, um, he's kind of coming under con- um, conflict with some people. They don't like him. Remember, he was, uh, he's Jewish. Uh, he was brought into a foreign land when Nebuchadnezzar had taken over Israel. So the people of the land don't really like Daniel because he's seen as an outsider. So they're jealous of him, and they're wanting to do something to undermine who Daniel is. So I want to invite us to, to pick up our Daniel story in chapter 6 uh, this morning as we take a look at what's happening in Daniel's life. So at this, um, the administrators, the satraps, they tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. So they're trying to find some scandal behind Daniel. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption with him because he was trustworthy, neither corrupt nor, nor was he negligent. Now, what did they do? So like in today's terms, so they Googled his name, uh, they ran a background check, uh, they, they looked at his Facebook post, checked out all of his social media, and saw that he was a stand-up guy, saw that he wasn't into to bad things, wasn't misleading people, he wasn't doing anything wrong. They found out Daniel was, was legit. So they couldn't find any blemishes on his records. But the one thing that they did know was is that Daniel had a strong faith in who he called the one true God. It's the God we worship. It's, it's God. And Daniel had a strong sense of faith in that. So let's pick up the story. Finally, these men, so these are the men that are after Daniel. They're the men that are jealous of Daniel. We will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the laws of his God. So they understand that, it, that the only way that they're going to be able to convict or to trip up Daniel is to somehow attack his faith, okay? So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king, and they said, may King Darius live forever. There they are sucking up again. Uh, The royal administrators, the prefects, the satraps, the advisors, the governors, we've all agreed. Now remember, Daniel's a governor as well. Daniel's not a part of this conversation. But we've all agreed, they tell the king, that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any God or any human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, that they shall be thrown into the lion's den. 
So if you pray to anybody other than the emperor, the king being God, they're saying you should throw them into the lion's den. So the king, he's kind of fallen for this. You know, Darius, he's a new king. He wants to be liked by the people. He's just conquered this new territory. But, but he's going to make a bad decision. And here it is. Your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius did exactly that. He put it in writing. Now here's the, here's the interesting part about that is, in, in the Mede and Persian laws, once something was signed into law, it could never be changed. So there wasn't like an amendment, there wasn't like a, a retraction, or it didn't go to a Supreme Court to find out was it constitutional or not. Once the king signed it into law, not even the king could change it. It was in stone. So, so we're gonna kind of understand a little bit about the importance of that in, in the Daniel story. So now Daniel has a couple of options, doesn't he? Daniel, Daniel's thinking about this. So, so he worships God, he loves God. He doesn't wanna bow down. He doesn't wanna worship a false God as this decree says. So Daniel has a couple of, of options. The first thing he can do is he can accept the decree and he can kind of like fake pray. Like, you know, hey, I'm really praying, but I'm not. And he could kind of fake his way through that. The second thing he could do is he could like take a big sign and say, I will not do it. And he can walk around and he can pick it, you know, and just say, see, see my sign and make sure that uh, Hebrew TV gets him on that or Babylonian TV gets him on that. But that's not gonna happen because it wasn't a democracy. So he, didn't, he couldn't do that. Here's the third thing he could do. Um, he could go privately to the king. Now remember, the king likes Daniel, so they have a little bit of a relationship. And Daniel could go to the king and he could say, listen, why don't you just let me off the hook? I mean, everybody else has to follow this law and you know that I worship a different God and you know I can't do this. So out of our friendships, you know, brother to brother, will you let me out of it? And he could do that, but we just understood that there's no way the king could authorize that. Here's the fourth thing. He could, he could keep praying to God, but he could go do it in secret. He could hide. He could go away where nobody could see him, and that's where he could be praying. Now, he doesn't want to do that because the moment he goes into hiding, the moment he goes into secret, his enemies win because he can't be public about his faith anymore. And his last choice is probably the hardest choice. And the last choice is, is that Daniel, he could basically say, I'm not going to change a thing. Everybody knows that I worship God. I'm going to continue to worship God. Everybody sees me when I worship God. They know exactly that I pray, and I'm not going to abide by this law. So these are the choices that he has. So Daniel's got a huge choice. And, and, and I think if we assess those things, I think it really begs a question to you and me, that, that if you and I were in that kind of situation where we were told that if we publicly praised God, if we publicly loved God, if we publicly talked about God, honored God, and worshiped God, if we did that publicly, that we would be thrown in the lion's den. Would you stand up for God? I think most of us would say, yeah, yeah, I'd do it, but... but would you stand up for God? And that's the dilemma, that's the challenge that, that Daniel has. It's one thing to stand up for God in church. It's one thing to come to church and, and hang out with other believers. It's one thing to say, yeah, man, we're all in this. We're, we're part of the family of God, look at us. But the minute that the screws start getting tightened, the minute the heat gets on, the minute that the threat is made, are you willing to stand up for what you believe? And I think that's the crux of the whole story of where we are here with Daniel. Let me, let me kind of put it into today's terms. Are you willing to publicly stand up for God at your job site? Are you willing to publicly stand up for God's students in your schools? 
Are you willing to publicly stand up for God, folks, in our community? Are we willing to stand up for God when we're on the golf course? Golf course? Are we willing to stand up for God? And that's, that's the importance. Daniel, Daniel has a decision. He's got to make it. And the time has come that he's got to answer what he's going to do. Let's pick up the story in verse 10. When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed. He was giving thanks to his God just as he's done before. You know, Daniel is saying, I understand what could happen. And he's saying, it's not gonna stop me. I'm not gonna hide being a person of belief. I'm not going to change my motives and who I am just because I'm threatened. And folks, that's exactly what his enemies were hoping he would do because the minute they catch him praying, the minute Daniel's praying to God, the minute that he's calling out to God for help, it's kind of like, gotcha. They trapped Jesus too, didn't they? They trapped Jesus when they asked him some of those questions, like what's the, of all the laws, which one's the real law? And they try to, they try to trap Jesus. They're, they're, tra they're trapping Daniel here. But the more I read this story, I, I sit there and I say to myself, what, why wasn't Daniel afraid? You know, I want to think that, that I would stand up for my faith. I'd want to think that, you know, hey, if someone held a knife to my neck, it's going to say I'm going to slit your throat unless you'd say that God doesn't exist. I want to hope and believe that I'd stand tall for my faith. But have you ever wondered, would you? Are we willing to, to, to go to the extreme for that? Luckily, in our country, we're not, we're not challenged to do that. But some places in the world, Christians are. And they have to be like Daniel. So, so what is it that, that gave Daniel this courage? What is it that, that gave him his strength? Let me, let me give you a couple of these. Um, and I hope that if you've got a chance to write some notes down, you'll do that. So what gave Daniel courage? Daniel remembered that God was faithful in the past. Remember, we've been looking at the challenges in Daniel's life. You know, um, He was challenged with so many things. And every time he was given a challenge, he stayed faithful to God. He stayed true to God. He stood tall for God. And the outcome of all those things, from Nebuchadnezzar to King Belshazzar, now to King Darius, we saw in all of those events, because he remained faithful, Daniel was not demoted, but he was promoted. And he's now one of the highest persons in all of Babylon. So when you, when you start to get scared, when, it, when you start to say, you know, if I speak up about my faith at work, someone's gonna turn me in. Or, or when you say, if I speak up about my faith in school, oh gosh, the principal's gonna hear about this and I'm gonna get called down to the guidance counselor's office. Or when we say, you know, if I speak up about my faith, fill in the blank. The thing's gonna happen. What am I gonna do? So here's the second thing that Daniel had going in his favor. So when, when Daniel had courage, um, he, he had a conversation with God three times a day. Now at this point in time of the story, Daniel's 82 years old. Remember, he was about 15 when he was taken into captivity. So he's, he's 82 years old, and he has been praying to God three times a day all of his life. Three times a day. So let me ask you, would your relationship with God be different if you prayed to God three times a day? If you entered into a conversation with our Lord, if you entered into a conversation with your Savior, if you entered into a conversation with the Almighty, the creator of all things, would your life be different if you prayed at least three times a day to God? Yes, it would be. 
Because you would know God and God would know you and, and, and you would begin to see the intimacy of what it means to live into that kind of relationship. And God would move you into that. You see, the, the secret to having strength is not standing up for something. The secret to having strength is actually kneeling and praying to God. And that's where we find strength. Daniel also knew the rewards were greater than the risk. He knew that, that there was gonna be some risks that would come. You know, was it risky to break the law? Absolutely. Was Daniel threatened to be punished? Absolutely, he was. If you break a law today, there's a consequence that comes with that. He could lose his life. Yes, he was gonna be thrown into the lion's den. And Daniel knows, though, that his allegiance belongs to God. He knows that God is the one he worships. He knows that God is the one that he's given his life. He knows that God is the one he trusts. God is the one he puts his obedience in. It's nothing here on earth. And he's recalling in his mind as he's being threatened to bow down and to pray and to worship the emperor, to worship King Darius as a God. Daniel is recalling something called a commandment. Thou shall have no other gods before me. Daniel understands from his own faith that it's not the right thing to do. You see, sometimes when we get in these situations, it's our fears that overwhelm us. It's our fears that change us. It's our fears that, that stir up stuff inside of us. And, and you know, you, if you want to maximize your impact in life, then you've got to minimize fears. Because as long as fears are are what's guiding you, as long as fears are at the root of you, as long as fears are, are what's negotiating you forward, you're not gonna maximize your life. So we have to find a way to take our eyes off of the things that we fear and instead put our eyes on God. And that's what, what, that's what Daniel did. I, I received a letter uh, a couple months ago and, and someone wrote to me and, and, it, and it's really apropos to, to the message today. They said, they said this, they said, you know, Pastor, you've been talking to us about uh, what it means to, to share our faith in public. You've been, you've been talking about what it means to not just come to church and say, oh, I'm faithful, but, but, but to live and, and, and uh, be seen as a person of faith in the community. And they said, you know, but something that really convicted, and it's probably when we started this series, they said, you know, you had mentioned that it's important to share our faith at work and it's important to share our faith in schools and in our community places that we go. And this person said to me in the letter, they said, but you know what? They said, I feel so bad because I can't recall a time ever in my working life, this is an adult, in my working life where I have told people that I'm a Christian. When I go to the office, when I'm, when I'm working, people don't know I'm a person of faith. I'm afraid to do that because you know, I'm afraid somebody might turn me in. And then they said, and, and here's something else that I really don't like about myself. In fact, in fact, they called themselves, they used the word coward in this letter. So I know this is grieving their heart. They said, I'm a coward in a sense that, that I've never invited anybody to come to church. Let me think about that. You know, we're, it's our fear of rejection. It's our, it's our fear of the unknown. It's our, our fear that someone might not like us or accept us if we speak up that we're a person of faith. But Daniel's life is one that we, that we really need to, we need to look into. So when you're, when you're going through fear in your life, remember these things. Standing for God is a victory over fear. When you stand for God, you will have victory over fear. 
God will ensure that you will have that. Let me give you a couple of examples about what fear does. Fear is just a feeling and it can't last. Fear is a feeling and it can't last, okay? Whenever you have a feeling, particularly negative ones, uh, you're going to, to feel like the, it's gonna happen the rest of your life. If you've ever been through a crisis in your life, if you've ever just really felt sorry for yourself because you're just feeling overwhelmed with things, you're thinking like, man, I'm never gonna get out of this. I'm just gonna have to accept this for the rest of my life. And the answer is no, you don't. Fear is an emotion. Emotions don't last. Think about happiness. Think about things that make you happy. When, when those things aren't happening, happiness isn't there. Happiness is different than joy. Joy comes from God, it can't be taken away, but happiness can be robbed from us every day. So, so fear is an, is an emotion. Fear is uncomfortable, but it's not gonna kill you. Sometimes we feel like we're in a fearful situation that man, this is just gonna, I'm gonna die from this. This is gonna kill me. But what we find out is, is that, that you're panicked and you feel like you know, your heart's palpitating, you're sweating, you feel dizzy, and you think I'm gonna die. And, you, and, you, and you're kind of paralyzed by your fear. Let me tell you what fear means. So if we take the, words, the word fear and put it as an acrostic, F-E-A-R, it means false evidence appearing real. That's what fear is, false evidence appearing real. So we have a choice to make. It's not real, it's uncomfortable, but it's not gonna kill you. Here, here's another one. Fear grows when you give in to it, but fear lessens when you, when you move against it. So, so often, think about the things you're fearful of. You know, you wanna run away from your fears. I'm gonna just get out of Dodge. Jonah, Jonah ran away from his fears. His fears was God was asking him to do something and Jonah didn't wanna do that. So he got on a ship and ran away from God and got swallowed by a, a fish, the scriptures say. He got swallowed up in his fear. What's swallowing you? How are your fears? challenging you. You have to stand against it. One way to, 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 to eliminate fear is to move against it. It's to have that courage to say. Courage is not the absence of fear because when you're not afraid, you can still have courage. So, so we see that there's some significant things happening. Every time you stand for God, you have a victory over fear and, and, and that brings in confidence and that's what we see in the life of Daniel. So, so what else was something that Daniel built on the foundation? Daniel saw that standing for God builds faith and character. So it builds faith and character. Faith and character are like a muscle. And if you, if you work your muscles, the more you put strain on them, the more you, uh, they're strenuous, the more problems that you put in and you work those muscles, the stronger they become, the more they function the way that they're designed. Paul was writing to uh, Timothy. Timothy was kind of his protege, and Timothy was like the little preacher that Paul commissioned to go and, and to do work, some advanced work and some follow-up work at some of the churches that Paul was starting. And, and Paul understood that um, Timothy needed to have encouragement and strength because he was fighting against the unthinkable. He was fighting against evil. He was fighting against people who didn't want to embrace this new thing called following the way. That's what Christianity was called, following the way, following Jesus. So Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, you've gotta be reminded of something. He says, don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Meaning, don't, don't cower down when, when people are, are questioning about that. 
He says, rather join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And that's the final thing that Daniel learns is standing up for God leads to miracles. You know, I think most of us would say, I want to experience a miracle in my life. Well, A, we have to expect a miracle. My favorite scripture passage is a little known prophet in the Old Testament. His name is Habakkuk, chapter one, verse five. Expect a miracle is one translation. Another one is prepare to be amazed. We have to expect God to do miracles. Why aren't we seeing miracles today? We're not expecting God to do it. But we need to expect God to do miracles. So the truth is that most of us may never see a miracle because we're not expecting it. Most of us may just sit there and say to our lives, well, well, God, you know, just, just tell me what you want me to do. As soon as I know, God, just when you got it figured out, let me know. Can you hear me, God? Are you there? I mean, think about that. That's what we do. But what did Peter do? Peter's in a boat. He hears a voice. He sees out in the water, he sees a silhouette. It's Jesus. Jesus is walking on the water. And I love what the scripture says. And Peter undressed himself. And he gets into the water and he walks on water to meet Jesus. And all of a sudden he realizes, oh no. And he starts sinking because he's questioning whether or not it really is a miracle. God brings miracles into our lives. So what was happening, what was happening here in this story? So King Darius, um, it breaks his heart. Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. Darius is upset at himself for signing this crazy law into law. Into law. Um, it says he won't eat, he won't drink, he won't sleep. All of these problems that he's having, and he's just really upset that, that Daniel, who he loves, is now in the lion's den. And Darius gets up one morning and he walks over and let's see what happens here. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. What does that mean? It means that the king is convinced Daniel is dead, okay? So he calls out in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually, has he been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, you can imagine what Darius, he hears a voice come back, oh! May the king live forever, Daniel says. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions and they, they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. And the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Folks, that's a miracle. Hallelujah, praise God. That's a miracle that we see. And we learn from Daniel that when we stand up with God, when we stand up for God, when we publicly pronounce our faith and share it with the world, God will do a miracle. Amen? Amen.